So what do you want out of life? Lots of stuff, a big house, financial security? As we'll learn today, there's something much better. Here's Pastor David. If you listen to the world, if you listen to kind of our cultural moments, what you will find the world saying very loudly is that what we want out of life is money, sex, and power. Not necessarily in that order, depending on who you're talking to. But those seem to be the things. Watch television, watch the news, whatever it happens to be. Those are the things that we say we want. Now, there have always been people who have said, you know, money's not everything. The best things in life are free and whatever. And we listen to those people and we go, yeah, that's, that's right, that's right. And then we go buy 50 lottery tickets, right? Because we don't really live... Oftentimes, like we believe that those things aren't important, we live, if we look at our decisions in life, in our culture, we live like we are after money, sex, power, security, things like that from the world. That's what we seem to be all about. People chase after the things that they think will make life worth living, that they think will make their life good, right? They believe that the answer to the question, what do we want out of life and how do we get it, is answered by the things that culture keeps telling us it's answered by. But even if you only lived 120 years, like let's say you got the whole 120 out of it, right? Which is about as old as the oldest people that we know of that have lived. Even if you do that, and then you just take the dirt nap and you're, you're gone. You don't know anything else. It's over at that point. Even in that case, Getting more money, more sex, more power, whatever it is, even that's still not going to give you what you want from life. And certainly, if you are eternal, those things will not give you what you actually want from life. Because what is it that we're really seeking? I can sum it up in one word. Joy. We are seeking joy. And joy is, is, is a complicated word. We, a lot of times we think of it just kind of like happiness. Right? But that's not what joy is. Joy is something so much more than that. We spoke about it, we're saying about it today, right? Joy to the world, unspeakable joy. Joy is it's an experience, it's a, it's a lifestyle, it's a mindset, it's an emotion. It's, it can be all of those things, it could be any of those things, and it's actually a lot more than just that. It's so much deeper than happiness. It's so much more enduring than things like happiness. It's beauty and hope and peace and, and comfort and happiness and health and depth and, and all of these things. Joy is the news to the would-be mother that that child she wanted her whole life, she's now pregnant with. And it's also the first moment that she lays eyes on that child after it's born and holds that child. Joy is in all of that. Joy is, is the anticipation of that family vacation that you've been looking forward to. It's also the, the, the experience of the vacation when you're on it. Those things are joy. It's the news that you've been accepted to that college that you really wanted to go to. And it's also that moment when you walk across the stage and get that degree that you've earned. It's the good news that Jesus was born. It's the good news of his resurrection his death on the cross for our sins. And it's the promise and the hope of his return and the majesty of his eternal presence. All of those things are joy. It's something we have in one another and in God, our King and our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's something we have in that. There's something really interesting about joy. Joy is hope kindled and hope fulfilled. 
There's something about that that's connected to joy. If you do a search on like BibleGateway.com or whatever software or, or website that you use to study scripture, if you go in there, you just type in joy and look at all the places where, it, where it's talked about in the New Testament. It's talked about a lot and it's talked about a lot of the Old Testament. But if you look in the New Testament, what you're going to find is that we see joy in a lot of places. We see it at the announcement of Christ's birth, right? Joy to the world. I right? bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, that the one who's born is the Savior, Right? Christ the Lord. That's, that's joy, that we know that the promised Messiah, the Savior of the world, was born. We find joy in the fellowship of Christ followers because they're partners, brothers and sisters in the promise of redemption, restoration, resurrection. Right? You see Paul writing in these letters and he says, look, you, when he's writing to the church, you are my joy. I want to come and be with you and experience joy with you because we're partners together in this great thing, in this great hope that we have, both the promise of it, hope kindled, and that we will see it given to us, that we will see hope done, that we will see it happen. In all of that, there's joy. We find joy even in trials that we suffer because with them becomes a promise, a hope of growth and rewards in eternal life. We find joy in the promise of the fulfillments of Jesus Christ's return, and that all things will be made new in his coming fulfilled kingdom, right? Joy and, pro and hope kindled, joy and hope fulfilled. And joy is commanded to be a fundamental part of every Christ follower's life. Commanded to be a fundamental part of every Christ follower's life, to be an essence of the life of a Christ follower. 1 Peter 4, 12-13 says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. We have joy in the sufferings because they're part of a hope of a promise, and we have joy when it's revealed. Joy in relationship with God, joy in relationship with each other, joy even in the fiery trial, and joy in the hope of the future. It was for joy that Jesus Christ gave his life. His joy is in you, Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He had joy in that he was going to reconcile us to himself. He's going to reconcile us to God. And he was going to, be able to have a relationship with us. He was willing to endure suffering because of the hope of the joy that would come. And that is supposed to define who we are, that kind of joy. The question is, how do we live and experience and live out joy in the very essence of our lives? We've been in a series called Right Side Up. It's been a series studying the words of Jesus Christ in the Sermon on the Mount. We find the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. Jesus has been showing us what it looks like to live the kingdom life, the life of a disciple of Jesus, the life of a Christ follower. In doing so, Jesus has shown us that the world is upside down. It's just upside down. And he's shown us that the Christ life, the kingdom life, is right side up. 
and that that's how we are to live. Now, we're going to study three teachings of Jesus today. They're found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24. So if you're, you have your Bible, you can, you can do that, or if it's on your phone, it'll also be on the screen. As we study this, I want us to think about how the way that we view life, and sometimes the way that we live life, and the things that occupy our minds, and the things that we have our eyes on and our hearts on, sometimes get in the way of or keep us from experiencing and living in the joy that ought to be and is by rights ours. Let's read the passage for today, starting in verse 19, chapter 6 of Matthew. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And finally this, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, or God and money. We recently studied the scripture, the teachings of Jesus that came before that. And it was a section on giving and praying and fasting and doing that for God to be seen by God and not to be seen by other people, other men to be praised and given honor by these men, but rather that you would do these things in secret that God might see it. And that makes perfect sense with the first part of this passage about not laying up for yourself treasures on earth, but in heaven. Because if you're doing these things in secret so that only God sees them, then what you're doing is you're saying, I'm putting these things into eternity where moth and rust don't destroy, things don't break in and steal, right? And then this passage here is saying the same thing. Don't be looking to other things to fulfill you. Don't be storing up for yourself things, money and so on on earth, but rather be thinking about what's in heaven. So it's a bridge between these two types of teachings we see in that part of the scripture. This goes kind of directly to what you believe. What do you believe? If you're not a Christ follower, you're here this morning, or you're watching this on video or listening to it on our podcast or whatever it is, if you are not a Christ follower, maybe you think there is no eternal life, that you're going to die and that that's going to be the end and you'll remember nothing after that. You just cease to exist. Or maybe you think that if you are, quote, a good person, that you're going to make it into heaven and have eternal life. After all, you're better than fill in the blank. Right? You're better than that person, so you're probably going to make it. But that's, that's wishful thinking. And it ignores the weight of the evidence, philosophical evidence, psychological evidence, sociological evidence, scientific evidence, biblical evidence, all of the evidence that God has given us and revealed to us, both in Scripture and in nature. There is only one. There is only one who has the authority to tell us about eternal life. Only one. And that is the one who rose from the dead and lives eternally. That's Jesus Christ. It's the only one who can actually speak with authority on what's going to happen to you when you finally have your heart stop beating and your body stop working. There's only one who can tell you what that looks like and what that's going to be. And that's Jesus Christ. Why? Because he rose from the dead and nobody else did. There's nobody else who rose from the dead and is still alive. But Jesus Christ did. And Jesus Christ tells us that no one is a, quote, good person. 
According to the scripture, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. How many of us? All of us. Nobody is a quote-unquote good person. And what we know from what Christ has revealed to us and what God has shown us in scripture and in nature, that you will neither cease to exist, nor will you die and go to heaven for being a quote, good person. You will either live eternally with God or you will live eternally separated from God. Those are the only two choices. There is not a third way. And no one will live eternally with God in heaven unless they have accepted the grace that was paid for on the cross by Jesus Christ in his death and resurrection. For those who have recognized that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will have eternal life in him. For those who refuse to do those things, you will not. It is that simple, and it is a choice that our loving God has given us. That means that you are commanded, Christ follower, commanded by your Lord Jesus Christ to live an eternal life. That means live a life that recognizes that you are living for eternity. That death is just a moment, but, it's not, but, it, but it does nothing to separate you from life. That you will be resurrected to a new body. That your spirit, body, soul, and spirit will go on in a resurrected, transformed form to live forever. And if you know that you're going to be living an eternal life, you're probably, if you keep that in your mind, going to desire to invest in eternal things, in eternity, in the kingdom of God. People put all kinds of time and effort and energy and money investing in their retirement, right? You've seen the commercials. You know, you watch a football game or whatever, and you're going to see three or four different ads about who you should be investing with, right? And you've got your 401k, and people are checking it. You know, some people check it every day. How, what happened to my investment and whatever? And they're super concerned about how much they have put away for retirement, many of whom will never see retirement because they'll die first, and somebody else will get that money. But even those who see retirement probably will only see it for a few years to, at best, a few decades, if you really you know, have a long time where you don't work. A few decades in comparison to eternity is nothing, and yet there's so much time and effort and energy that goes into it. Or maybe your money just goes away because those investments can go down just like they can go up. Right? Moth and rust destroy. Moth and rust destroy in this fallen world. They can destroy our investments and all the things we build up for ourselves here on earth. But nothing destroys that which is in eternity. Listen to what we read in the book of James. This is James 4, 13 through 17. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city. Spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is a sin. It is sin. We are not promised tomorrow on this earth. You are not promised tomorrow or even later today on this earth. Any one of us could physically die at any time. That's just, the, that's just the facts of life. But you know what we are promised? As a Christ follower, we're promised eternity with him. 
We're promised eternity. We're not promised this earth. We're not promised any amount of time on this earth, but we are promised eternity. Now, when I was younger and I, and I kind of walked away from the Lord and I was not living as a Christ follower, I think I was probably thinking something like, eventually, when I get older, I'll start living for Christ. I'll start doing the right thing. Right? But for now, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to do my own thing. And when I'm older, old David will take care of the doing the good stuff. Young David's going to do all this other stuff that caused nothing but trouble. Or I think that some people think things like, well, look, I know I should probably tithe, and I will. Older me will do that. Older me will take care of that. Right now, I've got this or that thing that I need to buy, or, you know, it's Christmas season or whatever. We'll start next month. We'll start later. You're not promised tomorrow. Well, I'll start investing in eternity later. You know, we think these things. Well, older me will come to church regularly. Older me will do this or that. Older me will read the Bible more. Older me will do whatever. But that's just boasting. You're boasting about your life that you're going to live a certain amount of time when you don't know that you will live to tomorrow. You're just a vapor. We're here and we're gone as far as this, this world is concerned. But we are promised eternity. So maybe we should think about investing in that. Jesus doesn't teach that you have forever to figure things out and you can do it later. We are to invest our lives in eternity, not just because all other investments are temporary and insecure and moth and rust might destroy them, but because our hearts follow our investments. Those are the facts. Our eyes are on, our hearts are on, our minds are on, our investments. If you put all your time and energy and money into hobbies or vacationing, or addictions, or overworking, or your financial investments, or even your kids. If you put all of your energy into those things, that is where your heart will be. Where else would it be? That's where your thoughts will be. That's where your security will be. That's where you'll find your value. That's where your value will be. If you put your time and energy and money into the kingdom of God, that is where your heart will be. It's simple math. It's simple That's where your thoughts will be. That's where your security will be. That's where your value will be, where you put your investment. It's not a complicated passage, but it is incredibly profound. What we do, what we invest in, what we put our time, effort, and energy into is the place that our thoughts and our hearts will be focused on. If you put it all on stuff on this earth, that's where it's focused. If you put it all on heaven and on eternal life, that's where it will be focused. And we are commanded to live that eternal life now. There's a lot more to this section of Scripture, and you'll want to be sure and join us for part two. Until then, let me invite you to come see us at Acts Church this Sunday morning. You'll really enjoy Pastor David in person, and easy directions and all the info you need are just a click away at axchurchnw.org. Hope to meet you this Sunday. Thanks for listening, and be sure to check out part two of Check Your Treasure here on Contemplate.